Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Joined tonight by my special guest, Brandon Cameron. You can find him on Twitter at B underscore Cameron 222. What's going on, Brandon? Hey, man, I'm not too great. <laughs> no, I don't like when the Leafs lose. No, none of us are uh, are ever in a, a spectacular mood when the Leafs lose, especially a game like that where I thought that they probably could have came away with the two points. I actually liked the way they played. If it wasn't for the first couple minutes in each of those periods, I think the Leafs probably would have came away with the win tonight. I think that was the most disappointing part for me, honestly. Like, just the fact that they did the same thing to start every single period. It was just... It's frustrating to watch because you just you, you you knew it was coming, <laughs> like after, like when the third when the third started and JT took that penalty, like I knew for sure they were gonna score. Like I just knew for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So as always, we're gonna go through the good, the bad, the ugly, and kind of discuss this game uh, in further detail a little bit later as well. And then also we're gonna get to some few uh, news and notes around the league and around the Leafs. So Pierre Engvall is signing a new two-year deal with the Leafs. We'll chat about that. Pierre Engvall uh, or uh, Jake Muzzin also reportedly nearing a deal with the Leafs as well. So we'll definitely touch on what that means for the team. And I don't know if you saw Zach Cassian earlier tonight. I'm pretty sure you did. Most people have by now. But that was an egregious, egregious play. So we'll definitely get to that. Uh, I have quite the take, quite the take on that. And then we'll kind of briefly discuss this uh, this weekend's Uh back-to-backs against Ottawa and Buffalo. Uh, all right, let's let's start with the good, the bad, and the ugly. For me, good, yeah. Austin Matthews. I thought he was yeah. insanely dangerous tonight, uh, especially in the second and third period. Scored his 41st goal of the season, which put him into a tie now with David Pasternak for, uh, for the Richard Trophy. Uh, unbelievable shot on that goal, man. The way that he can just take that puck and just fire it like that exactly where he wants. Pinpoint accuracy over the shoulder and into the back of the net. Uh, it, it, was, it was outstanding. Played 27 minutes and 5 seconds of ice time tonight. Oh. A career high for Austin Matthews. And honestly, it seemed like he never left the ice after that Clifford fight. Like what happened was that team, like before yeah. the Clifford fight, I've uh, it, he was trying to go back to the Marner, Matthews, and Nylander line, and then it just seemed like halfway through this, he was like, "All right, screw it, not working. We're not going to force it. We're down by two now. Let's get pedal to the metal. Let's send out the big guns." Matthews, Marner, and Hyman all got put back on the line together. Matthews finishing with 27 minutes. Hyman finished upwards of 23 minutes, 23 minutes, 8 seconds, and then Marner finishing with 26 minutes, 39 seconds. So I thought that that line uh, played really well, but, you know, Matthews specifically I thought was the best, not only the Leaf, but probably the best player out on the ice tonight. Yeah, no, there's honestly no denying that. Like, he was was awesome today. Like, 27 minutes, that was incredible. Like, he he put on a show today. Like, it was impressive. Yeah, for sure. Like, Matthews had... Game, but uh, for me, my good was I, I really like Travis Dermott's game tonight. It just he was making a lot of more offensive zone plays than I than I'm used to seeing from him, at least this year. Um he did a really good job of covering the D zone too. Like I saw a lot of times where Keith was switching up uh the deep he switched the deep pairs a lot tonight. Did you notice that? A little bit, yeah. He did a little bit. I I don't know exactly why that was because I don't think anybody was missing any time throughout the game. 
Uh, maybe just kind of shuffling it up a little I think, bit. I think he, I think he sat Lilligren. I think he well, sat Lilligren in the like the pretty much third period. Yeah, Lilligren only ended up getting about eight eight minutes or so of ice time. So I guess that was it. They're rolling with five D for for a majority of the third period. There, Lilligren. Uh, just taking a look quickly, he had yeah nine minutes fifty six seconds of ice time, and they look at Sandine, who was supposed to be his partner, up at fifteen minutes. So yeah, Lilligren just fourteen shifts tonight. Yeah. Uh, all right. Bad. Who's bad tonight for you? Um, I'm going to give a team bad on this one. Like, I don't think anything, cause I don't really think anything went particularly wrong today for the Maple Leafs besides their, their slow starting. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that was the bad them not starting time for any period tonight, which is completely unacceptable. That was my ugly. I, I thought that, you know, that was just that the first couple of minutes in each period was, was ugly, you know? If they allowed the first shot on goal to go into the back of the net in all three periods, that's not a recipe for success at all. And at least they really need to start waking up and they got to start playing right from the drop of the puck, whether it's in period one, two, three, overtime, whatever it is. It just seems like it's becoming a pattern. You know, it kind of, we saw this happen again the other night against Arizona where they got off to a sluggish, slow start at the beginning of the periods. I think that, like, like, if you take a look at tonight, right, the first goal scored uh, real quick. Let me just take a look. It was just over a minute into the game. A minute 20, Gurionov takes it in. And in the second period, 20, yeah. 24 seconds into the second period, Faxa scores. And then a minute 19 into the third period, Sagan scores. So you're allowing goals so quick into the period, you're not even allowing yourself to pick up any momentum coming off of it. And you're just giving momentum to Dallas and and cutting any momentum that you may have tried to carry over from the period before. And that's what kept happening tonight. And that's why Toronto ultimately wasn't able to complete the comeback. They did score pretty late. Hyman was able to bang away at a puck, uh, a loose puck. Well, it was sort of loose. He jarred it loose and then put it in the back of the net. Uh, But, you know, I I think if this is a, a Leafs win... If they would have played up to snuff the first couple of minutes of each period, because that's really where the game was was won and lost tonight. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, I I don't think it was, a, it was just weird. <laughs> it was a kind of a weird game where it wasn't like like Dallas was kind of playing their game. Toronto was kind of playing their game for the most part. Yeah, it just Toronto shot himself in the foot th- two more times than Dallas did. Um, I didn't quite give you a bad, but for me, I, I gave it to Freddie Anderson. Uh, I know that he was coming off of an injury, so maybe it's a little unfair to do it, but he did look a little rusty to me tonight. He had just 19 shots on goal, only made 16 saves, uh, so he wasn't tested all too often. But I thought that the the first couple of goals specifically, too, he was just kind of at a position, and I think that's just kind of chalked up to rust. I think if he would have had the paddle down to kind of protect the five hole in the first couple of goals, I, they don't go in, especially that first one uh, more specifically. Like if, if he's got a stick down there, how's that going to squeak through the five hole? It's not, and that's just... I, basic goaltending to me. I mean, I'm not a professional goalie, I guess, but, you know, that's just something that I thought that Freddie uh, kind of probably would want back if he could go out there and correct his mistakes tonight. Um, I thought that he was a little bit rusty, so that's why I gave him the bad. Uh, But he wasn't terrible, and and he did make some pretty good stops. uh, But overall, not as sharp as game. Yeah, no, uh, it wasn't the greatest start for Fred. Uh, I mean, it, it could have been worse. Like he made that worldly one. Uh, he made a nice save in the third period on that breakaway. Yeah, there were, uh, the Leafs had a really good chance on Bishop, who made an awesome save down there in, in the, the Dallas end. 
But uh, for me, honestly, I don't really have an ugly. Like, I, I don't think it was that ugly of a game, really. And, like, even even the breakdowns the Leafs had for that led to the Dallas goals, they weren't like, oh, my God, this is the end of the world. It was just kind of like a Wednesday night game <laughs> on, in February. You know why? It's because Cody Cece's not on the ice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, for me, I just, you know, when I look at this, I knew it was going to kind of come down to goaltending. You got Ben Bishop, one of the best goalies in the league, and they're one of the tightest, most defensive structured teams in the league, Dallas is themselves. And I thought that Freddie was going to have to have an exceptional night, uh, and he just wasn't as sharp as he needed to be, and, and ultimately was one of the reasons why the Leafs weren't able to get the, the much-needed two points because uh, if they would have been able to get the win tonight, that would have put them three points up on Florida, who also lost tonight. So uh, not able to make up any any ground or extend their lead any anymore here in the playoff race. But uh, all right, we'll keep chatting about this game, and we'll do that uh, after uh, after this quick break. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside Brandon Cameron. Uh, so... Andreas Janssen was injured in this game. He left in the first period, um, did not return, and I think I saw that he's going to actually be out for a while. I think Sheldon Keefe uh, yeah. came out and said in his presser that it looks like he's going to miss some time, which is not a not a good thing if you're if you're the Leafs. How costly is that going to be for them? Yeah, that's not great. That really handicaps things for for the Maple Leafs right now, to be honest with you. Well, not only on the but, ice, but now it kind of makes, you know, the, the prospect of trading him a little more murky. Yeah. Or it, it also doesn't really give you the chance, like, it might even force your hand into trading Kapanen when you had the option. Like, it gives, it gives you less options, right? Yeah. Which is really, like, a really unfortunate timing, because I, I feel like the Leafs want to do something fast. I don't think they want to take their time anymore, to be honest. Yeah. Um, for me, one other thing that I, that I wanted to really definitely chat about in this game tonight was Kyle Clifford finally dropping the mitts, getting in a scrap tonight against uh, Jamie Alexiak, but it was more so when he did it, you know, I think this is why Kyle Clifford is such a smart and intelligent player. You know, the team's trailing to nothing. The crowd's not in it. The team kind of was in a bit of a lull and drops the mitts, absolutely unloads a couple of big rights on Alexiak, ended up cutting up in his fingers a little bit and mangled them up in the fight, got him stitched up and went back out there. But, you know, scored the W and what, and it really started to, to spark the crowd. And I thought that the team had some really good shifts in response after that. Kerfoot and Tavares line, they went out and they had uh, some really, really solid chances, I thought, three or four on uh, on that one shift specifically. And Matthews, uh, a few minutes later, ended up scoring the goal on the power play as well so you know it just really energized the fans energized the team and kind of got the, them back in it when they were trailing by two and really had no pace to the game no energy to the game and I thought that the Clifford fight uh, kind of turned that around which is really good to see because that's something that the Leafs have really lacked they lack the the aggression and, and a chance to kind of change a game with one big hit or one big fight. They didn't really have a player who could go out there and do that or they did not have anyone who was doing it, I guess. Um, I guess technically Muzzin is, is a pretty strong guy. He could do it, but it really wasn't. And Clifford now adds that element that the Leafs kind of, kind of need, I think, going forward. So, you know, my hat's off to Clifford. I thought... Other than Austin Matthews, uh, Clifford tonight uh, and what he did, not just on the ice, but 
kind of what he did for the game itself um, for that fight. I thought that that was definitely worth mentioning. Uh, anything you got to say about that? Yeah, well, you know what, you know what that, you know what that fight did to the building. <laughs> like it gave, it actually gave like a buzz. Like yeah. I could hear an actual like buzz in the building for like the first time in like years. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, and then when Belief started actually like pressing in the offensive zone after the fight, and they were creating chances, like they were jumping, and then Matthew scored, and then you, you heard like this roar <laughs> right before the Hollow Notes intro. <laughs> Like you heard this like roar of the crowd, and I was like, I haven't heard that in a while, and it's kind of it's kind of exciting. Like everyone kind of got jacked up because of that one that one little fight from Kyle Clifford, and you got to give props to him too. He chose the he chose the right time to have his first fight as a Maple Leaf mm-hmm. because when he came against the Ducks, he had plenty of opportunity. There's there's guys on the Ducks that would have fought him if he wanted to fight him, but he was like he had the opportunity in the I think when the Leafs are up three one in the in the third the opportunity to fight someone he was like no yeah, this it was the time it was getzlav they were up three one up against getzlav yeah, Getz was, Getz was trying to get him to drop the mitts and he was like no man i'm not giving you that 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 fight i'm not giving you the momentum that you need to try and will your team back into it and the complete opposite happened tonight where he needed the momentum for his team and that's what he did by challenging Alexiak. exactly and it worked it sparked it they didn't end up getting the w tonight obviously but i think it kind of changed the energy not only on the ice, but also in the arena. 100%. Yeah. Uh, What else kind of happened tonight? Oh, yeah, it looks like the money line. No, that experiment is over. I don't know why it didn't work, Marner, Nylander, Matthews. I thought that, you know, you put together three of the most talented players on your team, you're surely going to have success. But for some reason, it just didn't work. And just, you know, in the second period, Keith also realized that himself and was like, all right, enough with that, and ended up putting Nylander back with Tavares and then ended up putting Hyman back up on that top spot with uh, Matthews and Marner, and that's kind of when Matthews' game really took that next step up to the next level once he got reunited back with that line that's been absolutely dominant over the last couple of months. Uh, what were your thoughts on on that line, and do you think this is an experiment that's over, or do you think maybe we'll see it again down the line? So I actually had a different thought that I thought um, I saw a shift uh, in the third period where there was Nylander, Tavares, and Kapanen. And I kind of liked what I saw. Mm. Like I, I saw him, I saw him take, uh, I saw Keith bump down Kerfoot to the third line, like near the end of the third. And he, he put Kapanen on that, on a second line. And it actually looked pretty good. I actually think it might be a, a decent option for the Leafs down the road too. If they keep continuing uh, Matthews Marner and they don't want Neilan, because neither hasn't really really worked there the last couple of days, honestly. Mm-hmm. The last couple of games it hasn't worked really that well. As they haven't been overly effective. Like maybe it, maybe it's not really showing yet, but I mean, it just it didn't seem to work, which kind of makes more sense. And the second he switched them, that's when the the buzz really started buzzing, right? Yeah. Um. Here's my first initial thoughts, actually, that I had before the game tonight. You know, a reason why, like, I I always thought, why are they trying this out now randomly? Like, I I just am curious what they were trying to to do here. And I think a big reason why they were trying to figure it out is because when they get down to the playoffs, they don't really have a shutdown line, I guess you could say. Uh, You know, whether you think 
Spezza could be your third down. He might be your third line center, but I don't look at him as a shutdown centerman. You know, I think that's more even even Kerfoot. I don't consider him a shutdown centerman, kind of like Kadri was. So I think the the big thing that they were trying to see is all right. If we load up this Marner, Nealander, Matthews line with a bunch of offense, can we get away with a Kerfoot, Tavares, and Hyman line as our shutdown line? Okay. And they could also provide offense. But I just think that they didn't see the results that they wanted from the, the top line there of the Marner, Nylander, Matthews, that they just said, ah, screw it. We'll just kind of go back to the way things were, where it was extremely successful. Oh, yeah, that's actually a really interesting point of view. Like, I actually totally agree with that. Like, I, I really vibe with that. That's cool. Yeah. That was a good one. Um, Anything else that uh, happened in this game that you kind of want to chat about you think is worth chatting about? Eh, I don't know. They worked hard. They fought. They battled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not really much else you can really complain about, right? Yeah, I mean, they scored late. They almost came back and completed the comeback, but unable to do it. Um, one other thing that I did actually note down here was was it really seems like Kapanen is starting to pick up his game. Uh, he's really utilizing his speed again, um, and especially on the on the penalty kill. There was the one PK where he ended up drawing another penalty when he was trying to break through on yeah. the breakaway there, and it's just... He keeps reminding me, you know, periodically, okay, so there is that untapped skill and potential that I, I think Kapanen can be a top six guy. Like, I normally think of him, and I know you do as well, as like a top nine player who just has really good speed. But I yeah. feel like when he when he just takes it to the next level every now and then, he shows the flashes of being a top six player that a lot of teams might covet around the league. And, you know, now that, Janssen's injured, Kapitan might end up being the guy that teams are going to try and go after. Plus, I think Kapitan might be the better player. Um, yeah. but I thought tonight he, he actually had a, a really good game and, and showed those flashes once again. No, yeah. I, I've liked this game the last couple couple of nights, mm-hmm. actually. I, I I liked him on uh, Saturday. Was Saturday night? No, Monday night? Tuesday. I don't remember days. Tuesday, <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday when he scored the... Uh, was it the game winner against... Arizona? Yeah. Oh, is that Tuesday? Is it Thursday? Yes. <laughs> oh, um, wow. I have the impression it was Wednesday. No. Yeah, so he scored scored the goal against uh, Arizona. But yeah. my question to you regarding Kapitan, and this was a conversation that was happening in, on a certain Toronto local radio station. Oh, no. <laughs> so is, is Kapitan good enough to make one of the core four expendable Huh? No. What do you think? <laughs> that was crazy. That was ludicrous. I don't know what Stewie was thinking with that take. That is a hot take. Yeah, no, that's a stretch. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, we're going to uh, talk about a couple of things. Leaf signing Engvall, potentially getting uh, Muzzin under contract, also discuss. The whole Zach Cassian thing and, and what disgusting, despicable incident that he was involved with tonight. And we'll do all that next. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside Brandon Cameron. Pierre Engvall signing a two-year, $1.25 million contract. What are your initial impressions of this deal? Uh, honestly, I think the Leafs might be grooming him to be their third-line center. <laughs> Yeah. And they want him locked up for another two years. You think? Like, I know that they've been trying him out at center over the last 
couple of weeks. But honestly, I feel like he's better as a winger. And it seems like his production has really kind of fallen off for the last couple of weeks while they're trying to groom him at center. So I don't know. I feel like you get a more productive Pierre Engvall when he when he's playing the wings. Yeah, but I think it would be ideal for the Maple Leafs to have him as their third line center. Uh, I, I don't like I why, think why that's that? the thing. It would be it's just convenient, right? Why is that though? Because he's there, he's cheap, you can get he's fine, he's effective. Yeah, but you don't believe in, in Kerfoot? Um honestly I kind of spot spawned the thought today that Kerfoot might be the piece the Leafs would be using in a in a deal for Dumba. Mm, interesting. Because the, I, because I've noticed the last couple of, like you kind of notice that they kind of put Kerfoot on the wing with Tavares and Nylander they're, lately. They're showcasing him? Like, doesn't that kind of seem like they're trying to showcase off Alex Kerfoot in a top six role on a different team? Maybe. And it also could be a reason why not only are they showcasing Kerfoot, but also auditioning to see if Engvall could kind of slide yeah. into that spot there. Yeah, maybe you're onto something. Maybe you like are the, onto the, something. Like that makes sense to me. Like it, I, I mean, it's probably not the only reason. Like I, like I think Kerfoot does deserve a shot in the top six. I think Yingval does deserve a shot at center. It's just, I don't know. Seems like there's something there. What I find interesting is the fact that the Leafs feel so highly about this guy, who seventh round pick, who wasn't even in the NHL to start the year, ended up coming up halfway through once Keith kind of got the call up as well after Babcock got fired and Engvall just kind of ran away with the opportunity here in the NHL. And we're only maybe a quarter way through his season. And well, I guess now we're about probably about a third way through his season. And he's earned himself a two year, $1.25 million contract. And for a team that's pretty cap strapped to agree on, on a multi-year deal that's over a million dollars must mean that they do see Pierre Engvall as a top nine player. And as a player that they want kind of locked up in the future. And you know what? Maybe they do look at him as their third-line center, and, and that would be great value for a third-line centerman. Uh, but but I think that Dubas has done a, a nice nice piece of work kind of locking up these players who are kind of having breakout seasons. Justin Hall earlier signing a, a three, three-year, $6 million contract, $2 million annually per over the next three seasons, and then getting Pierre Engvall, another guy who's kind of woken up this season on a pretty cheap $1.25 million cap hit. Um, I just, to me, I think it's going to come down to where they end up playing him. If he's a fourth liner, I think that's a little bit too much considering how cap strat the team is. So maybe you're right in the fact that they are grooming him to be a third liner, third line center, but at least I would think he's got to play in the top nine just to make cap work. Yeah, no, he, I, I, I think he has to as well. I, I think that's top nine, like, money. Um, all right, so uh, moving on quickly here, Darren Dreger also reporting that the Leafs and Muzzin appear to be nearing a deal and feel confident that one will get done. In your opinion, what does the deal look like for Muzzin? Well, ideally, it's it's probably something in the three- to four-year range because I, mm. I don't think Muzzin's asking for the moon in money. Like, I think the max Muzzin's going to ask for is six, realistically. Yeah, probably. Like, I, I don't think he asks for anything more than six. I don't think he gets six. I think he probably goes down a little closer to five-five. 
And maybe if you can negotiate the term a little bit, maybe you can, the number can fluctuate up or down a little bit, but I think probably five year, like four years, five mil, five, or four years, five, five is probably something I would, I would think seems reasonable for Muzzin. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Four years, five, five, or I might even go five years, uh, a five-year deal that bring it down to, to five, five. I think if, if he's a guy who, if you're going to try and, only give him a couple of years, he'll probably want an extra little bit of cash, so maybe like five, uh, 5.8, but I guess I'm nickel and diming the offers here. But, um, yeah, I think about between five and a half and $6 million seems to be the sweet spot on a four- to, to five-year deal, I think is pretty much what we're going to be looking for to get Muzzin. And it seems like they're going to be able to, to get it done. Both sides do want to get it done, and I think Muzzin... Over the, la- over the past season has really shown how I- valuable he is to this team. Yeah, he's got a he's got a cool thing about him that like not a lot of Maple Leafs have. Like he has edge, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> like when he when he says when he says things to the media and he says things about his team, like he actually like you can see the the old man in him, <laughs> like oh, the old yeah. soul of yeah. Jake. He's always good for a quote. Always good for a quote, yeah. especially after a loss, because he he doesn't hold back. He tells it like it is. Like, yeah, no, we sucked. We got to play better. Like, this was, you know, we're uh, we're we're playing soft here, and, and he, he. I feel like he's holding people in that room accountable. And you know, at the beginning of the season, although he wasn't wearing, uh, or uh, why am I thinking? Muzzin does not have a letter. No. Yeah. So although he no. doesn't have a letter. You know, he was appointed as part of the leadership group that that uh, they still wanted to have in on meetings and was going to be making some decisions. And I think that although he doesn't have a letter out there on the ice, he's certainly a leader in the locker room. And uh, he's he's been a huge, huge piece of this team's success. And when he was injured, you know, you kind of saw how much that team struggled, how much Freddie struggled in front of uh, to just not having him out on the ice in front of him. Yeah, Jake Muzzin has this, like, really calming presence about him. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's what it is. Like, he just kind of, like, he mellows you out a little bit, and he kind of, like, simmers you down. Kind of like a dad. <laughs> he's kind of like a dad. <laughs> Maybe he's, like, the Mar- he's the new Marlowe. Now that there's no Marlowe, they got Muzzin. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, so you saw the Zach Cassian kicking incident, and for those who did not, uh, tonight, Edmonton taking on Tampa. Cassian looks like he kind of got dumped um, over his teammate by Eric Chernak, defenseman for the Lightning. And he took extreme to it and didn't like it very much and uh, lifted his leg and kicked Chernak in the chest. Doesn't look like he made some serious uh, connection with him, luckily. But, man, what an egregious act. You you can't do that. Like, that is just uh, despicable. Like, that that's... That's something where the NHL has to throw the book at him. I think that he's going to get double-digit games for this incident. I think at least 20. I think it is 20 at least. Honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, 20, 20 might seem a little a little far-fetched, but I, I think 10 games at the very least is, is what this has to be. You know, he just got a nice chunk of change signing a new $3.25 million contract uh, on a three-year, three-year bait, uh, rate. Man, He's going to have to send some of that money back because 
he's going to be missing <laughs> some games. That's for for damn sure. But like, what what's going through your head? What makes you think that that would even be remotely okay? I don't know. Maybe he's a psychopath. Like I, I, that. That's well, now, the only thing I can think of. Well, now this kind of makes me go back and think. Like this dude's got some serious temper tantrum issues. Like you go back and you look at what yeah. happened with with Kachuk after getting hit by Kachuk. He attacked him and just like threw him around the ice like a rag doll. Uh, and now you look at it. You know he gets hit and he doesn't appreciate the hit and he goes to try, try and kick somebody with his skate in the chest. Are you kidding me? Like what is he thinking? I, bro, that I, it blows my mind that that could even cross somebody's mind, <laughs> quite frankly. Like, a professional athlete who's paid, who's paid millions of dollars to have that thought is, is not great. And this is a guy who was talking about there being a code out there on the ice back when, you know, he was doing his beef with Matt Kachuk. Uh, the code? I think there's something in the code about not using your skate as a weapon. And that's essentially like Zach Cassian basically went happy Gilmore tonight out on the ice using his skate as a weapon. <laughs> like I'm, I'm sure he was contemplating taking it off and and stabbing him. Like it was just uh, such a stupid, stupid, heinous, egregious act. And uh, I, I hope he gets the book. Twenty games, rest of the season, do whatever you want to do with it uh, for the league. But definitely, this is. It's going to be a massive, massive suspension and uh, and fine. I would, I'm sure he's going to be losing some money out of his pocket. Um, Do you want to know the one thing I know? I know for sure that's going to come out of this. What's that? The Department of Health or the Department of Player Safety is going to mess it up somehow. Well, that's the thing too, right? Like you saw, we can quickly get into this. The Dan O'Chara only getting a five thousand dollar fine. For an egregious cross check to the mouth, to the head of Brandon Gallagher, who, might I add, does have a history of concussions and is just you know, getting back as, from a concussion. As recently as two games ago. Exactly. And like, Department of Player Safety is like, nah, $5,000 fine. Yeah, he'll probably learn his lesson because, like, that's, I could pay a $5,000 fine. Like, you even tell me a multi-million dollar is going to be like, oh, no, I can't do this again because I'll get a $5,000 fine. Oh, like, are you kidding me? Like, that is a joke, an absolute joke. And I'm not even saying that that, that cross-check is the most egregious thing I've ever seen either. No, but like even, it, like, if you want to tie it back to the Leafs, like, what is so different about what he did and what Nazem Kadri did last year in the playoffs? I guess the stakes were higher in Kadri's hit, but, I mean... That's because it was a playoff game. Yeah, and then he got more games for it when usually you think the playoff, they kind of scale the games back a little bit because whatever, two regular season games is worth one playoff game. But to give him no games for this? Like, come on. To me, I thought for sure when I saw it last night, I was like, well, that's a game if not two. And then nothing. $5,000 fine. That's it. Like, that's so soft. So soft. That's that's not going to teach him anything. Anyways, let's uh, let's move on and quickly. We got about two minutes here. We got to wrap up this thing. Uh, Ottawa and Buffalo back to back on the road. Which game do you start, Freddie Anderson? And you give him the this, the Saturday game in Ottawa or the Sunday game in Buffalo? What are, what are you thinking here? Honestly, if I'm the Leafs, I might play. I might consider playing Jack Campbell Friday night against Buffalo. Um, 
considering Freddie Anderson's struggles kind of say, recently, and sorry, he's, and he's coming back from injury, I think it's more of a it's an easier lob to send Freddie Anderson against the Ottawa Senators, I think, which I think is might be the reason they do it. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking. Sorry, if if I said uh, Buffalo's on Friday, that game's actually on Sunday. Uh, the Ottawa game is first. oh, it's Saturday. Is it Saturday, Sunday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ottawa, oh, okay. I'm with you. I still think, you know, you send Anderson out there, not only just because of that, but, you know, this was a pretty rusty game. At least let him go back-to-back starts. Um, not back-to-back as in back-to-back days, but, you know, two straight starts. Maybe he can knock the rust off a little bit. You know, Ottawa, a worser opponent, maybe get his, his confidence back up a little bit. And then rest him up on Sunday and get him set for the uh, the home-and-home home we got next week against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, one last thing I'm going to say about this weekend, it's going to be a good chance to try and pile up some points on some weaker teams as they make a playoff push. All right. That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Like, thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to locked on these podcasts and all podcasting platforms and receive daily leaves content. You can follow the show on Twitter at lockdown lease. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow Brandon at B underscore Cameron two, two, two. All right, be sure to check back in on Monday. We'll recap the weekend's matchup between the Leafs and the Sens and the Sabres. All right, until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.